Well, hello everyone once again. Welcome to Christ Central Church. Great to have you here, and greetings to those who are watching and participating online. My name is Joe Kermit, and today I'm going to continue our series on formation, the way of Jesus. And we've been looking at how over the last couple of weeks, and over the last couple of months, and over the last year, how we all follow something or someone, whether it might be people, or our peers, or ourselves, or pleasure, or politics, and whether we know it or not, we're all following someone, something, and therefore just trying to be aware of that and to identify that because whatever or whoever we follow has an impact on our lives. And we're actually being formed and shaped and molded into whatever we're consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously following is forming us on the inside and out, which leads to us bearing some sort of fruit, whether good or bad or diseased or barren, out of our lives comes an impact on those around us. And so we've been wrestling with this belief and idea and concept that we um, sort of started back in August of this whole thing of we become what we behold. So whatever we look at, whatever we fixate on, whatever we focus on changes us for better or for worse. And so we've been sort of helping us to maybe wake up to the reality of who are we following, who's forming us, what fruit is in our lives, and let's choose wisely what we're going to fix our eyes upon. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we're saying we're beholding Jesus, we're looking to Jesus for our strength and for everything that we've been singing about this morning, and that we want, as a plant, we want our roots to run deep in Jesus, that we want to be formed and molded and shaped by Jesus, and we want the fruit of Jesus in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, some goodness, some self-control for the sake of others. And what we are going to be taking a look at over the next few weeks and few months is how we want Jesus' life in us as it strengthens us. There's that lengthening part in our individual lives and for us as a church, that we get to share the life of Jesus with those around us. And as we discuss that, and I've discussed that with many of you, and in just talking with people in general, sometimes when we talk about this lengthening and about maybe sharing Jesus with others, there's a fear that comes up because we live in a culture, which we're going to dissect a little bit here this morning, or try to at least one part of it, is we live in this culture where we live in this contradiction of you can believe whatever you want. However, just don't share whatever you believe with me. However, guess what culture does? Culture says you need to be like me. And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning a little bit. And one of the phrases that probably you've maybe heard, and maybe you've heard it said this way, or even the implications of believing this, is one of the sort of goals of our life right now in our culture is this, be true to yourself. Have you heard some sort of variation of that? Be true to yourself, or be true to how you feel. And you hear kinds of sometimes people defending their behavior like this, well, I'm just being true to myself. And that's a very common thing. And sometimes it's hard to know, how, how do you handle that? And maybe I mean, really, culture influences that we start to think that as well, even though we're following Jesus. Well, I just have to be true to myself. I have to be true to how I 
feel. This is who I am. I'm just being true to myself. And we begin to realize and understand that our identity of who we are gets shaped and molded by culture, that that can seep into our ways of thinking and our belief system. And Janie last week, who was here with us and here, supposed to be in PEI, but obviously with the storm, is here with us this morning instead of going there. Talked about last week about how we as followers of Jesus, there's a distinction that comes. There's a looking a bit different and believing different and how that gets worked out. And this is one of the ways that we want to take a look at this morning. How we as followers of Jesus, and I know watching and here, we're at different ends of where that is. Some of us are just starting or exploring even who Jesus is. And some of us have been following Jesus for many years. But here's one of the problems with that statement, just be true to yourself. One of the problems is this, it puts a lot of pressure on us to figure out who we are. It puts so much pressure on us to figure out who we are. And there's a lot of pressure if that's our identity, if someone disagrees with us, guess what happens? There's a lot of hate in this world because if our identity is in who we being true to ourselves and someone disagrees with us, then you just have to go online for like 30 seconds and look at any message string. And as soon as you say, I'm this, then you're going to get a whole bunch of people who are going to say, they're going to throw a lot of hate on you. And what do you usually do in return? You defend yourself and you hate others. And then someone just writes, please be kind. <laughs> and that's, how we, that's our answer to hate. And hating one another is we're all trying to be kinder, and everyone's going like, well, you can be kind about that, but don't mess with who I am. And then there's more pressure because if you don't live up to who you say you are, then there's a lot of shame that comes with it. So you can be a company and you're saying, look, we're all for the environment and we're going to be green. And then some expose comes out that says, actually, you weren't being very healthy to the environment. Guess what happens? It's a big, <gasps> you said you were this and yet you're doing this. So guess what we do? We shame you and then we will never buy from you again. Now, there's some parts that are good to that and justice and different things, but do you see what I'm getting at? That it's not just for companies that, it's for us as individuals and for celebrities and sports stars and movie stars, and then you have to hire a whole crew that tells you how to write your apology so that you can try to be able to line up and not offend anyone. So folks, church family, friends, especially youth, teenagers, elementary school. This is the culture you're in that you're going to be taught and pressured to create yourself, be true to yourself, and be true to how you feel. And it's all inward and not looking upward to Jesus. So let's just follow this through for a couple minutes, okay? How do you decide who you are? So you just let that, how do you decide who you are? Because if it's based on feeling, guess what? Feelings change a lot. Every day, 
Feelings change between when you're five years old and 10 years old, between you're 10 years old and 15 years old, between 15 and 20, and so on. Feelings change between 5 a.m. in the morning and 10 a.m. Feelings change between noontime and supper. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying we shouldn't feel the feelings, and a lot of times our feelings can actually be helpful, and they, you know, we got to learn, because sometimes that's God speaking through our feelings. But what I'm talking about here is basing our identity on inward feelings. So it's a lot of pressure to decide who you are and to be true to it. And a lot of times, guess what? People are being true to themselves, and guess what? They're still miserable. So it's a lot of pressure, and then you get through all that, and people are like, actually, I don't like how I feel. And what happens as I said, if someone doesn't support your identity, it's pretty crushing. It's hard being rejected. And a lot of times we defend who we are and we're actually accusing others of not accepting us and there's a lot of anger, hate, and shaming. And I'm going to propose another one for you. What if just being ourselves and what feels most natural to us might actually be wrong or dangerous or disastrous to ourselves and society. Let me see that again. What if just being ourselves and what feels most natural to us might actually be wrong or dangerous or disastrous to us and society? And the culture pushes and preaches a belief that just be ourselves and every person determines his or own moral values and at the same time did you hear what I just said on that one? Culture pressures us and conforms us to just be ourselves and that you and I get to determine our own moral values. At the same time, what does culture do? Culture pressures us equally with a strong belief that all people are obligated to, have you heard this recently, support equal rights, justice for all, and care for the poor. Do you see the contradiction in our culture? It says that all morality is relative. You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. But at the same time, it says you need to believe this. Do you see the contradiction in that? I'm just trying to help us to see our culture around us. So it's very popular. You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. And at the same time, it's saying culture says you need to believe this and we all need to be doing this which actually breaks down that worldview. And culture would say, if you don't believe these things, you're in trouble. So be who you want to be, be true to yourself, and at the same time, but if you fall outside of what we define it as, you're in trouble. And how dare you not do this? Does any of that resonate at all? <laughs> do any of you feel and understand some of that and live through that? Be yourself, be true to yourself, and at the same time, you must conform to these beliefs. And we're proposing that we may need some sort of moral norm or standard outside of ourselves to show us what we should express and what we should not. So a quick summary. Our culture for identity, we've talked about some of this before, goes inward, we get to decide, 
And this is kind of how it goes. Who do we follow? We're, we're saying we're following ourselves. We need to be true to ourselves. How does that form us? There's all kinds of pressure to fi- figure out who you are and form yourself, and there's all kinds of feelings to go with it. And folks, that is stressful. And the fruit of that is this. We live in a culture full of anxiety, fear, hate, vulnerability. It's a fragile identity. So now that maybe you're discouraged and depressed and here comes some good news. Is there a different way? Is there a different way to find our identity? And Jesus says this, hallelujah for Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me. And Jesus is saying this, and we're going to go over it over and over again. Jesus is saying, hey, look at me. Don't go inward for your identity. Please hear me again. I'm not saying you can't go inward, and sometimes we've talked about it. You've got to sometimes feel the feels, and you've got to sort through those, and you've got to understand. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm talking about identity. You don't go inward. Jesus is saying, come and follow me. Jesus takes us, we get our head down, looking inside, and Jesus lifts our head and says, come follow me. We don't go inward, we look upward. And here's some good news. So over the next few weeks, we're just going to take different aspects of Jesus and see how he is the good news and how that changes us as we follow him. This morning, we just want to take a look at this Jesus, and as we behold Jesus, and as we look to Jesus, Jesus is the creator. He's the word of God. In Genesis 1 and 2, at the beginning of the Bible, reread this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. And nine different times, it says this, God, and God said, and he created. God created. And we read, and Gary did this this summer, a whole message back in July on this. I'm just summarizing. John 1, 1 and 2. John says this, in the beginning, referring so connected to Genesis, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, that's through Jesus, all things were made. Do you see the connection? God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit involved in creation. Colossians 1.16, we read this, Paul says, for by him, that's by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus, the word of God, is the living word, and Jesus creates. And Jesus was involved in physical creation. Jesus is the creator. We use different things. He's the intelligent designer. He's the artist. He's the sculptor. He's the engineer. He's the laborer. Jesus' power to create. And the story of this good news, which the gospel is good news, is that Jesus is a different way. And as we look at Jesus, we begin to find that we can find an identity not based on inward on ourselves, but on the unshakable Jesus Christ. And the story of Jesus is this. Jesus, the creator, became a created one. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a woman, Mary, came as a baby, humbled himself. Can I just say three months from today's Christmas? Woohoo! This is the Christmas story. The Creator became a created one. Incredible. Jesus humbled himself. He came as a baby. He came as a rescuer, a savior. 
Why? Folks, why did Jesus come? Because being ourselves is not good enough to solve our problems. Being true to ourselves is not going to answer all of the world's problems. We need an outside source. We need a rescuer. It isn't enough to be true to ourselves. You know what we need? We need a change. We need a transformation. We need help for us to know God and to love one another. We don't need to be ourselves. We need a new beginning. We need a new creation. And in the Bible, God's Word, in Genesis 1 and 2, we read, and in Genesis 3, we read, as humans, we're made in God's image. We're valuable. Hallelujah. Yes, we are, every single one of us. Therefore, there's dignity for every single person on planet Earth, no matter their background, people, group, tribe, tongue, nation. There's an equality in that. Yes, there is that we're all made in God's image, that we're all valuable. But God made us with a purpose. It's to know and enjoy God, to have a relationship with God. We were singing about this morning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fellowship, friendship, relationship, community, unity. And God's like, I want to share myself with creation. This is so good, I want to share this with my creation. So I'm going to make creation in our image. Creation's going to be image bearers of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are made to know and enjoy God. And then God says, be blessed. Go fill my creation. Fill the earth. Fill with my glory and presence because you're my image bearers. And our first leader, Adam, that was his mandate was to go and fill the earth with the glory of God. However, Adam didn't believe God. He didn't believe God's word, and he disobeyed God. And the consequences mainly were this. There was broken relationship with God and one another. And the Bible says a blindness came, and humanity ever since has been lost. And as I said before, humanity, the history of humanity is this. Basically, humanity in history is us as humans looking for meaning and purpose and fulfillment in everything else but God. So we're looking everywhere. We're looking in. We're looking at everything else, and we're missing looking at Jesus. And the good news is this. God sent a second Adam, Jesus. That's God's rescue plan to bring restoration of relationship between God and humanity and between us as people. And God's story of intervention is to redeem and restore God's creation for us to be able to know and love God and be loved by God and to love and serve one another and to find in God, not in ourselves, identity, purpose, meaning, acceptance, fulfillment, pleasure, joy, rest, both now on planet Earth, but also for all eternity. And folks, here's the incredible story. It's the plot twist of all plot twists. Jesus, the Word of God, creator, powerful, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Guess what Jesus did? Jesus, even though he was still God, he didn't use his glory or his power 
or his position or his influence. He humbled himself and became a servant. It became a sacrifice. And even though he had every right, and as we see in his humanity, calling out to God, God, if there's any other way, as we see in the garden, if there's any other way for these people to be reconciled to you. But he knew that big of a problem needed a God-sized answer. And the Bible says this, he went to the cross. He humbled himself. He gave up his glory and his power and his position and his influence. And even though he was the creator, the Bible says he hung on a cross. And the Bible says he took on him. Remember those consequences of disobeying God? There's many of them. And Jesus on the cross, he did this. He took the penalty of the sin. There was injustice, and justice had to be served. God is a just God, a holy God, a righteous God. And the consequences of that penalty, Jesus took on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And Jesus took upon him all the pollution of sin. When we disobey God, it brings pollution. We hurt other people, and guess what? People hurt us. And Jesus took all of that upon him. That partition, we were separated from God. We didn't know God. We didn't have access to God. And yet Jesus said, hey, if you want to know the Father, you come through me. And Jesus broke the power of sin over our lives. Folks, we get addicted to things. We get distracted by things. Jody was even saying in that prayer, God, I even know the right things to do, but sometimes I just need your, I need your help. I need your power to even act out the things I know that are true. And Jesus breaks the power of sin and addictions over our lives so that we can say yes to Jesus. We just sang about it this morning. How many songs did we sing just talking about only Jesus? You break the power. You break the chains that I can have freedom to follow and to know you. Jesus doesn't say, find out who you are and be true to yourself. Jesus says this, even though you're lost, even though you're dead, I love you and I can make you into a new creation. Didn't that just come through in the words that were shared this morning? Behold, I can make all things new. And this is the good news of Jesus, that even though that just as Jesus was involved in physical creation, he spoke the word. Everything was created through the word and for the word. And the Holy Spirit was at work bringing order to chaos. Spiritually, Jesus speaks and there can become a new creation. The Holy Spirit is at work revealing Jesus, giving life. And the Bible says this, and you remember a guy named Nicodemus, he came to Jesus and he was trying to figure out, he was very religious, but he knew just he was missing something. And he came to Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, how, how do I get eternal life? How do I get real life? And Jesus didn't give him a bunch of rules and regulations. Jesus didn't give him philosophy or anything. Jesus said this, you have to be born again. 
And poor Nicodemus, even though he was a genius, he's trying to figure out, like, how do I get back into my mother? And, ooh, that's kind of gross. And, oh, he was asking all these things. And Jesus is saying, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. We need to be born again of God's spirit. And only Jesus can do that. Jesus imparts life as we look and follow him. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5. Verses 15 to 19, I think it'll be up on the screen. Paul writes this, and Jesus died for all. That's just what we've been explaining. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. Hallelujah. Paul writes, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. Paul's saying, I used to think about people all the time in a different way. I used to think about Jesus in a different way. I even hated Jesus. But when the Spirit of God brought revelation, when Jesus intervened in his life, he was like, oh, I behold Jesus in a whole different way. And from that point, I look at everyone else differently as well. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God. Folks, that's good news. You don't have to figure out who you are and find yourself and be true to yourself and all of that. We can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, come as I follow you. Be born in me. As we look to Jesus, as we call upon his name for salvation, as we understand more and more his life, death, resurrection, his ascension, that Jesus is coming again, as God quickens us, it's like the alarm clock goes off, God wakens us up to the reality of who Jesus is, and we put our faith and trust in him. We're born of his spirit. We become alive in Christ. We become a new creation. We are now joined with Jesus. We're united with Jesus. We're united with Jesus, and his life is in us. We're a new creation, and when we're a new creation, we receive a new identity. And the good news is we receive a new Holy Spirit who comes to live in us. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, it was promised, hey, your old hearts that are like stone, they're going to be replaced, and you're going to have a heart that's like flesh. And your commands aren't just going to be in there. My spirit is going to write God's word on your new heart. And I'm going to give you an empowerment to live and to follow me. And folks, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again. One of the main things that's different about Jesus and Christianity is this. Your identity is received. It's not achieved. Being true to yourself and being who you are, it's, oof, what performance? I got to be this way. The identity you receive from Christ is this. I receive it as a gift. A lot of times in worship, we put our hands in different places for different reasons. God, I'm just all for you. God, I receive from you. I receive this identity. It's received. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. It's not based in your performance. And because you didn't earn it, your performance can't take it away. It's a gift. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? 
Isn't it exhausting performing? Oh man, I got to keep up this face, and oh, I got to keep this up, and oh, I got to keep this up, and oh, what if someone really finds out, and oh, I don't even know who I am, and oh, it's so stressful. It's exhausting. Ah, Jesus, I put my faith and hope and trust in you, and I receive your identity that I'm now crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In life I live, in this body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My identity is now in Christ in Christ. It's received, not achieved. Folks, Jenny said this last week. She said, we're in a shaking period. And as we see in Hebrews, things are going to be shaken. Folks, I can say that if your identity is based on your performance and on being true to yourself, it's pretty fragile. It's being shaken. But if we look to Jesus and our identity is in Jesus and we're in Christ, it's unshakable. Because he's unshakable. Folks, just in closing, I can't say it. I don't know how else to say it. For your identity, don't look in. Don't look in. Look up. Look up. Look up. Look at Jesus. He's the one who's our Savior, who rescues us from these things, but he causes us to be a new creation. He puts his spirit within us. We receive a new identity, new life, new purposes, new passions. It's a transformation, and that takes a lifetime for all that to get worked out, as we're saying in our formation. Folks, inward, our culture is this. Be true to yourself, and as I said, that's a lot of pressure, and our feelings change, and there's a lot of anger and fear if others reject who we are. And we're just screaming at each other in our culture today. Pick a category, and it's everyone's defending their identity. Jesus is this. We look at him. We behold Jesus. We believe Christ what he's done for us and by his Holy Spirit we become a new creation and our identity is received not achieved and it's unshakable because now we're united with Christ we're united with Christ folks one of the most powerful ways of expressing this is when we are baptized in water when we profess publicly hey I'm a follower of Jesus I believe He's my Savior. And what happens in baptism? We go down under the water. And what's that representing? That's representing my old life. Being in Adam, my old life, my old identity, it goes under the water. And just as Jesus was buried in that tomb and was dead, my old life goes under the water. And then as we're raised up, and as we're raised up and everyone cheers, it's saying, I am a new creation and just as Jesus was raised from the dead and the power of the resurrection, God's power raised Jesus from the dead, and now he's over sin and death and Satan, we're raised to life. And we're a new creation 
in Christ and we have a new identity and a new heart and a new spirit and a new life and a new purpose is now to live to glorify God. And just as Jesus lives to please the Father, now it's our goal not to please ourselves, but to please God. Look up. Look up. And just see the Holy Spirit just saying, just look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Folks, I don't know how else to say it in closing, but my heart I believe God's heart in me is don't, don't miss out. Folks, it's, it's exhausting if you're just going to look inward for your identity. That's exhausting. It's based on your feelings and performance and what a culture defines. That's really a messed up culture. And it will be shaken, and it is shaken, because it's fragile. The Bible says this is to believe in God's Son, Jesus. And by faith, we're to behold Him. And we're saying, Jesus, what was applied to you as I put my faith and trust in you is now applied to me. And for some... Today might be the day of you verbalizing and believing that in your heart for the first time. And for many of us, we need to hear it again. We go on looking at Jesus. It wasn't just something that happened five days ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. We behold Jesus and we look to Jesus today. We keep believing the good news that our identity is found in him. And out of our identity, and we're going to continue this, we find our purpose. So this week, what are maybe one or two ways that you can practically help yourself look to Jesus and not inward for your identity? And was, what are one or two ways maybe you can help somebody else to lift their heads to say, look at Jesus? Folks, I'll just close with this and maybe I can ask the worship team to come. So last week, we were at what was formerly called Harvest Jazz and Blues Festival, which is now, I think, Harvest Music Festival. I always get the name wrong, but many of you were out, and the uh, city was filled with music. And um, at the very last minute, um, Graham and Krista invited from our church us out, Angela and I out. They had some extra tickets to one of the venues, so we went, like, very last minute, okay? So I didn't even know who was playing. We just showed up at the tent, here's your tickets, in we go. And I don't even know if I even remember the lady's name who was singing. Do you remember, Edge? It was like Celeste or... Celeste? Celeste? Amazing. Amazing. She was rocking it out, and I don't know how many people are in this tent, but we're at the back, and we're chatting, and we're thinking this is good and everything, and I'm telling you, she got to her last song. She was hilarious. And so she did the encore song. And her encore song was, Keep Your Eyes on the Prize. And I know many people have covered that. 
But she started singing, my hair, even though it was cold, it went up to here. And honestly, it was just one of those moments where it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And she's belting out, and it was powerful. Keep your eyes on the prize. And I was going through. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, when I think keep your eyes on the prize, I think keep your eyes on the finish line, on heaven. Someday it's going to be better. <laughs> I'm thinking all that, and we're with Graham. I'm thinking he's right here like, oh, you know, Graham can just get through this. And I'm thinking all these different things, which are all good. But the Holy Spirit saying, Joe, Joe, Jesus is the prize. I'm thinking it's the finish line. It's heaven when this is... And the Holy Spirit saying, Joe, you're missing it. Jesus is the prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the... And it was just everything. I just felt the Spirit of God just lifting my head and just saying, that's it, Jesus, you are the prize. You're everything. Why don't you stand? And we're going to sing. I'll hand things back to Mark and Gary as we figure out where to go from here. The Lord Jesus, this morning, just say, by your Holy Spirit, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on you? Thank you that you're the giver of life. You're the one who has power to speak and to cause us to become new creations in you. Lord, I pray even now, Lord, as we respond to your word, Help us, Lord. Keep our eyes fixed on you. You're our prize. You're our treasure. You're our possession. You're everything, Jesus. We look to you now. Thank you, Lord.